You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. My, um, my dad does this thing. <laughs> He's always done this thing. Every year, almost, um, I grew up camping just after Christmas. And every time we'd go on holidays and this particular camping, um, camping trip, whenever the family was fully gathered, um, as early as I can remember, he'd do this thing where I don't know if he consciously does it, but he would go get steak from the shops and he'd cook a steak meal barbecue with cooked potato and and he'd just do it every time, sort of naturally. And, uh, yeah, every time. Even just a couple of weeks ago we were on holidays, I went down and visited them while they're camping and a couple of my siblings didn't. It was just kind of an accidental that most of the family was there. And sure enough, Dad comes out with these steaks that he's cooking up because <laughs> the family's there together and it's a simple routine it's a simple rhythm i don't even know if he knows what he's doing why he's doing it but dad would just do it dad would could have come alive on holidays and be more like be extra generous and um it formed me it changed me this simple thing taught me a couple of things and without overstating it honestly This is some of the things that I find as a father now, some of the things that this rhythm and this way of living actually taught me. Um, I am naturally at my most generous when I'm on holidays with my family. It's like a switch goes off and I become a little less stingy and the wallet becomes a little more open to my family when I'm on holidays. It's just instinctual. Um, Dad taught me through this rhythm that family is worth investing into. Family is the one thing, well, not the one thing, but one of the most important things to be generous with. Through this action, he taught me that time with family is actually holy. It's sacred. Through this, he actually taught me that rest, holidays, fun, and food with family is important. And therefore, When I go on holidays, instinctually, almost as a reflex, I find myself lighter, more generous, more wanting to gather and feed my family. (laughs) It's a rhythm and it's transformative. It's probably one of the most simplest ways I can explain this series that we're going through as we look at some of the things that God did that on some ways look strange, on some ways we'll never quite understand, in some ways need contextual um, understanding. But in all of them, give us these rhythms and ways and heart of the ultimate Father, Yahweh, God, the divine. We're going to get to that. But first of all, I would like to read a couple of passages. Now, we're not going through the whole book of Leviticus, as in online, but please read through with us. Um, but so far we've, we've established a couple of things, but let me let me read actually first before we unpack it. Leviticus 4, um, the snippet from Leviticus 4. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of these things that by the Lord's commandment ought to not be done and realizes his guilt for the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. 
And he shall lay his hands on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar or burnt offering and pour out of the rest of its blood at the base of the altar and all of its fat he shall remove as the fat is removed from the peace offering and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord and the priest shall make an atonement for him and he shall be forgiven. Leviticus 5.11 moving on, but he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons. Then he shall bring as his offering for the sin that he has committed a tenth of, of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it and put... Um, no frankincense on it, that's like incense, for it is a sin offering, and he shall bring it to the priests, and the priest shall take a handful of it as a memorial proportion and burn this on the altar on the Lord's food offering as a sin offering. And again, God's scaffolding for the rich and the poor. All can be atoned or forgiven for their sins in this order of things, in this people. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that was committed to one of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priests, as in the grain offering. And then lastly, Leviticus 5.14. Let me know. Let me just tell you, you've just joined us. Um, it's best to hear this from the start. We've got a couple of other parts to this. But let me just say right from the start, this is dry, methodical, sort of recipe type stuff. And it may seem confusing while you're listening to this. You may want to switch off, but please stay with me. As in all of this, there is a deeper rhythm. There is a deeper heart at work. There's a deeper order for a disordered people. And I believe there is a message for us today. So stay with us. Leviticus 5.14. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as compensation a ram without blemish of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekels of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with a ram of guilt offering and he shall be forgiven. We're looking and exploring God's heart. And to do this, we've started each part of this understanding God's vision statement that he gives, why he gives his people the law, what he's building, and it's this. Exodus 19.4, we're going to kind of have it memorized by the end of this series. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. He's talking to Moses on the mountain. And I've carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God has rescued them for a purpose. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, if you follow these rhythms, this law, then out of all the nations, you will become my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine because he's God, all the creation is his. He has set apart this element, these people. He says, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God's vision statement, a people that are set apart to do life with Yahweh, with God. Not unlike the Garden of Eden, building, creating and expanding with him. A ever-growing building, a family table that's, that, that is set apart but influences and creates in a divine way in this world. It's a beautiful vision. It's not a club. It's not an isolated cult. It's not a show. It's not a thing to consume or attend, but a purpose, a kingdom to participate in, 
Church, this is you. Now, still this vision runs true. It's a collective. It's us. It's being Jesus in the world. So God hands down this order to reorder a group of freed slaves. Last two weeks, I said that the Leviticus starts with five sacrifices. Three of them, (laughs) that leaves two, are, are voluntary. And we invited you to practice out of those a, a, a rhythm, develop a practice of worship and gratitude. And we wanted to hear that, about that on the comments in your groups. We wanted to hear back from you about how that, what type of things did you create? What type of things did you think of that would that slowly would transform? Today, we want to look at the last two sacrifices in the, in the opening chapters of this book. These are more commandments, less voluntary. So we want to have a look at the next two sacrifices today, which is this. As read, as hinted at there, there's the next two were a sin offering and a guilt offering. Say that again. The ones we want to explore today are a sin offering and a guilt offering. Lots in it. But for both individuals and community in the scripture we just read in the full chapters, there's layers upon layers. But let's look at the broader themes. This was sin committed. This was to make right the brokenness. If someone did something against God to make it right, there was a sacrifice. And then, you know, those things that you do, but you're not sure if you did anything wrong and you're not sure if you read that right and you did anything wrong, but God, you're not sure if he's angry. Well, there was guilt offerings. There's one for that. So if they weren't, it's scaffolded. (laughs) It's making sure that everyone feels like they're forgiven through this process. And it's here that we find the broad theme. This was, these two sacrifices, was an invitation towards a rhythm of repentance and reflection. Let me say that again. Through this sin offering and guilt offering, God was calling these people towards a rhythm of repentance and reflection. And so you know where this is headed already. I encourage us today towards this same rhythm. It's an invitation to develop a rhythm of repentance and reflection. Christian or non-Christian, we all know deep down, whoever's watching this, we all know that we do things we don't want to do. We all know we've hurt people. We know we've hurt ourselves. We know we're selfish sometimes. I know I cut corners. I do things that I regret. And if you're not, if you're like, nah, I don't. <laughs> if you don't believe me, then just turn on the TV. Watch the news. Uh, better yet, forget to indicate one time on the road <laughs> and watch how people react, how angry people are, how broken, how hurt. Don't actually do that, but you know what I mean how gross humans can be. And honestly, I guess the question posed is how do we, what do we do with that? What do we do with that mess? What do we do with our brokenness? The world doesn't know. It never knows. It's constantly struggling, putting each other down, trying to find a vision because we all know we're broken, but we don't know how to find middle ground. We don't know how to share. We don't know how to repent, say we're sorry. We don't know how to make things right. 
again, this is just turn on the TV and see the local news or world news and you can see this constantly. We don't know what to do with this mess, where to put it. We don't know how to grow from it and we certainly don't know how to do, like move on from it, sorry. This yuck, very deep word there, this yuck, although ignored sometimes, affects our life. People's regrets. You have regrets, I guarantee, that has shaped your life today. We make mistakes, big or small, that affect, that build up, that shape us in so many ways. What do we do with this disorder, this unalignment, this wrong direction we take sometimes, this sin? What do we do with it? Well, funny you ask, (laughs) for this family, this tribe, this kingdom, God gives them a rhythm of repentance, of reflection and forgiveness. He gives them a way as a society to move past, to be redeemed and to grow out of it. This is hammered home. This is not just something I thought was cool to say. This is hammered home because almost every paragraph of these instructions ends with a line reminding them about why they do this. (laughs) About atonement, about how this makes it right how it pays the debt, how it fixes it, how they're forgiven, how they can move on. Every paragraph in this section ends with, and it will atone for your sin. This is a process not of just repenting, but being forgiven. And so the question that we ask in every part of this, why on earth is this helpful to us three and a half thousand years later? (laughs) (laughs) and it's a great question. So here's three reasons, three reasons for you, three reasons for you why a rhythm of repentance and reflection is helpful for you today. Number one, it grows your relationship with God. Let me say that again. I'm going to give you three reasons why we should practice a rhythm of repentance and reflection found in, found by, originated by these ancient people. Number one is it grows our relationship with God. Here's the problem with that statement. Immediately I hear some of you scream at your computer or TV screen. We don't live in Old Testament law. It's been surpassed. If you don't know what I mean, the Bible is somewhat like a phone. It's been updated. Not changed, just updated. We no longer bring a sacrifice. This is why you don't walk into church. And this is why on this video today, we're not bringing in a lamb for atonement. We don't need that because we had the ultimate lamb come in Jesus. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He has saved us, reconciled us, paid the ransom, been victorious. And now we can be reconciled back to him. We don't need to get out the lamb or the chicken. (laughs) He's given us new life, both now and eternally. So how can I say that repentance and reflection grows our relationship with God if in Jesus our relationship has been made right? What's to grow about it if it's done, if it's, as Jesus says, finished? 
Well, firstly, simple but hopefully profound question for you to ask. Do you understand? Do we understand we've been made right? Do you know this? For those who don't know Jesus and somehow you've stumbled across this video, then this is all that matters. Seriously, right now. Do you know that God wants to do something in and with you? Do you know that God isn't distant? Do you know God isn't angry? Do you know that he's taken active steps to be known? To stir? To build his creation? Do you know that you don't have to live your life wondering if the universe is out to get you, if it's aligned with you? You don't have to wonder if there's a purpose. Do you know you don't have to avoid black cats, not step on cracks, and you know you can avoid walking under ladders? Do you know you can stop trying to put out good karma or good vibes? We don't live in a karma world. You don't get what you deserve. As a Christian, I believe Jesus actually got what you deserve. He has reconciled the divide. He has given us God in human form. He has shown us God's heart for us. You only need acceptance. Repent, or in less old school religious words that actually make sense, turn around and follow. If you haven't done that, that's my only invitation for you today. Forget living it out right now. Just do that. And we're going to pray for that in just a moment. But here's the scary thing. Here's the scary second part to that question. Christian, proclaiming follow of Jesus, do you know that you've been made right? Do you know that through Jesus you are right with God? Do you know that not swearing, wearing a tie, reading the correct Bible translation, owning a big Bible, going to church, reciting the Lord's Prayer, giving to the poor even, or even to the church, <laughs> being nice, saying the word Lord repetitively, repeti repeatedly in your prayers, going to church on Christmas and Easter, they're all okay and in some cases really good things, but do you know they don't make God more right with you? They don't make God like you more. They don't make God do things for you. Do you realize that, follower of Jesus? Some Christians, he is the tragedy. Some Christians get stuck here for a lifetime, not able to experience the freedom in Christ, not able to understand this Old Testament principle repeated throughout the Bible that these people back then were made with God, made right with God through this sacrifice, through a lamb, and now we are made right with God through Jesus, through the lamb of God. So Christian, get past that so that you can live like it. Do you know that you're right with God so now that you can live in that freedom? You actually are free to respond. Or do you know what? Peter probably says it best in 1 Peter 13. Listen to how Peter says it in the New Testament. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. How's that? He's saying you're not accidentally going to live in this freedom of Christ. You actually need to prepare 
Put it in the calendar. Remind yourself. Develop a rhythm of repentance and reflection. And being sober-minded, he says. Now, this doesn't mean just drinking. This means actually consider this with your full mind. Set your hope fully on the grace that you've been brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't forget your call, Peter says. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. He's quoting Leviticus. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, not with simple, silly things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb without blemish or spot. Again, quoting Leviticus. He has foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through him I believe is in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Live like a Christian. Do you know it? Or have you been stuck trying to please him? Do you know it? Go live in it. Peter encourages us to plan, put effort, to remember our need for God, to remember that we're broken and sinful, not as a woe is me, not always going, I'm so horrible, I'm so gross, I'm so, oh, I'm so, <laughs> I don't know. But as a sober reminder that you're not awesome all the time. In fact, we're very flawed. Well, at least I am. <laughs> and then find healthy ways to remind yourself of this, to repent on the ongoing mishaps, to give us closure with God so that we can actually step into that next season that we're not living in constant um, regret or guilt or sin, that we can actually move and grow and learn and walk into his purpose, reflect and do better next week, to walk in this new way. Practically, we can look at how many different ways we can do this. And you know what? Some of you might be thinking, if you're watching this video, you might be thinking, hang on, didn't he say he had three points? Well, I do, but we're going to continue the rest next week because I just want to sit on the first point today because it starts here. Remembering, practicing a process of repentance and reflection will grow your relationship with God. And probably the most practical way the church no, I was going to say the church invented it, but Jesus invented it. So, of course, it's perfect. One way he invented to remember that we're sinners, that while we're still sinners, he saved us, is through communion. And so if you're with a group today, if you're watching it, my encouragement is, is to find the emblems in your house that he used, which is bread and wine or juice. or It's not actually the things that are magical. <laughs> it's what it represents. That is amazing. And take a moment in whatever community you have, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your neighbor, if they believe in Jesus, whether it's people that you've invited around and take a moment over a meal and remember regularly what he has done for you so that you can grow in it and live in it. And let us not forget. Let me pray for those that don't know Jesus and don't know that he 
has made it right for you and a way forward. And for those of you that do know Jesus, but you've forgotten, got a little bit off the path, let me pray. Father, we just lift up those watching today that we are reminded afresh that like this Old Testament rhythm that our sin can be paid for and our guilt can be paid for. Father, we acknowledge that there are still consequences, worldly consequences, but in terms of the universe, in terms of the creator, in terms of the one that gives us ways forward, it has been made right with you through Jesus. So acknowledge that today. And we acknowledge that we will still stuff up at times, but you continue to forgive us and we can continue to repent, reflect and grow. Father, make us holy because you are holy. We lift this all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just scratch my eye and then I'll just give three questions. Three questions for you to ask yourself or those around you. What does it look like for you to regularly remind yourself of God's grace? Communion, but what else? What else does it look like? What does it look like for you to regularly repent and reflect on your mistakes so that you can learn from them? And who could you ask these questions with? We're made for community. Who could you ask these questions with? Hey, thanks for joining us today. If if any of what's been said has affected you, has stirred within you, please let us know. We'd love to hear. We'd love to pray with you, for you. Love to keep in contact with you no matter where you are around the world. And um, yeah, Look forward to seeing you in the next part.